Hey guys, Leah Pika here, and welcome to the first episode of 2016, where we talk to a guest best known for helping digital analysts reach their potential maturity. Stay tuned to find out who's starring on Present Beyond Measure, episode 13. Welcome to the Present Beyond Measure show, a podcast at the intersection of analytics, data visualization, and presentation awesomeness. You'll learn the best tips, tools, and techniques for creating analytics visualizations and presentations that inspire data-driven decisions and move you forward. If you're ready to get your insights understood and acted upon, you're in the right place. And now your host, Leah Pika. Hello, hello. Welcome to the 13th episode of Present Beyond Measure, the very first one in 2016. Oh man, I am so excited for what this year holds in store for everyone. This is slated to be such an exciting year for analytics and presenting and data visualization. I have an amazing lineup for you on the show in the coming months. I also have a few fun speaking gigs lined up. Just a quick update for me, I'll be sharing the stage with Annie Cushing and Rand Fishkin at Conversion XL Live in Austin, Texas this March. That is so exciting. Followed by Emetric San Francisco in April with some amazing speakers there. So definitely drop me a note if you're going to be at either of those. And you can always catch my schedule at leahpeekacom slash speaking. So I want to kick this episode off with a little sneak peek of my guest lineup for the winter season. I have some amazing interviews in the can, starting with June Dershowitz. I don't think that every analyst has to want to go out and speak in, in public, but they need to be able to share what they're doing and communicate it with others in their organization. Adam Greco. Yeah, I mean, one mentor of mine had told me, he said, if you have a big meeting, never walk into that meeting without knowing how many votes you have in your pocket. Jeff Sauer of Jeffalytics. What I've started to do now is to try and give real examples of how things work and how things can be successful, and then make it so that people can take action off of that at the end. And many more. I can't wait to share their incredible knowledge with you on presenting data for impact and hear what you think. But for now, let's kick this episode off with today's amazing guest. Hey guys, I am thrilled to bring you today's guest. He's one of the most respected figures in the measure community today. He's an innovator, professional speaker, and renowned digital analytics consultant. He's best known for creating the digital analytics maturity model used by many companies to assess analyst readiness. He was named Most Influential Industry Contributor by the Digital Analytics Association in 2013. He's had over 25 years experience empowering organizations to analyze and optimize their online channels and has cemented his position as a leading voice for digital analytics and online optimization. Please help me welcome Stefan Hamel. Thank you, Leah. I'm, I'm really, really happy to be here uh, joining you. And I'm sure we're going to have a lot of fun chatting about presentations and cool stuff. (laughs) (laughs) You're upping the cool factor for the show. That's for sure. (laughs) So I first came to know you through the digital analytics uh, maturity training you held at eMetrics DC. I think it was actually 2009 when I was very new to the analytics practice, but it really set the stage for my whole career roadmap. But first, I love to hear a good origin story. Tell us a little bit about how you fell into the whole analytics world. 
It's interesting because you said in, in introducing me, you said over 25 years of empowering organization and stuff. And, and I'm sure some people are thinking, well, wait a minute, you know, 25 years, that's uh, the web just started in those like 25 years ago. <laughs> um, but I, I think what got me into it is, is really the fact that I was uh, more on the technology side of things and acting as a database administrator, system administrator, developer on a research project. And I was lucky to have access to the internet before the web even existed. Mm -hmm. So when it came out, it was just natural for me to install a web server and start documenting the research project that I was working on with other people. And we realized there were log files like any other IT system. And we started looking at those log files and getting all excited when... uh, we were saying, oh, look at that, there's, there's someone coming to our site that is outside of our research network. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was, that was very exciting. And then eventually, of course, there were, at one point, there was just too much data flowing in into those log files right. for the ability to actually analyze those things. So, yeah, I think throughout my career, data has always been there. But I think what's more important is how you can leverage the data to better understand the business and try to solve problems, mm-hmm. regardless if they are online or offline. So that's that's really how I got started. And eventually, of course, with the web uh, crazy years and the, the bubble growing up and eventually bursting, um, <laughs> right. you know, I, I, I did my fair share of web development, worked with many different organizations, stuff like that. So that created my, I think, a strong background on understanding businesses and trying to understand, you know, what are the real issues and leveraging the data, mostly online data now. But we see a clear trend in the market where organizations want to merge that online data with their, their back office data. Uh, so that's, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. And were you responsible for presenting your findings based on even in these early analytics stages to people inside these organizations? Well, the funny thing is at first, nobody really cared. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we <What>? were, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, and I guess it, it, it was like that for quite a long time. Uh, I remember having to actually convince uh, my employer that we needed to have a, a, a public website at one point. And then working for an agency, having to convince the agency that we, we should actually offer web analytics services to our clients. And I guess history repeats itself. Now we, we still have to sell the value of data. And in order to do that, we obviously need to present a compelling, interesting way of proving that data can be used and can be leveraged mm-hmm. uh, to make better decisions. But at the same time, you know, back back to your question, a little uh, little thing that is interesting is visualization or presenting results and stuff like that uh, from an IT perspective. Even the projects that I was working on before the web, we were, uh, as an example, and and maybe that will relate to uh, you know the, the infamous uh, big data, to, uh, <laughs> you know, discussion mm-hmm. is back in those days. The research project I was working on was uh, visualizing observations on uh, dams, electricity dams, for up to 40 years of data with hundreds of different instruments of different, you know, measuring either the temperature, the pressure, the humidity level and stuff like that in in those, you know, big dams that are producing electricity. 
imagine like 40 years of data, hundreds of instruments in, into each construction and hundreds of, of different type of, of uh, constructions. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was, that was big data at the time. And we were visualizing those elements into geographic information systems, mm -hmm. uh, GIS systems in 3D. We were pushing the envelope on both on the data side of things, but also on the visualization side of things to make it easier to understand a large amount of data into something that should have been 3D, but was really presented in a 2D. Mm. So, so like visualization, presenting the data, simplifying it, that's what I've been doing for 30 years in different shapes and forms and adapting that, that knowledge, that skills, that experience in the various environments and employers uh, that I worked with. And what did you find challenging about not only convincing these organizations that analytics actually mattered and what could be done with that? Um, there, I think it was, again, similar to when we had to sell the web. I think uh, there's, and maybe it's sad to say, but at one point, I think there's a uh, some kind of natural selection going on. Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> and, and some organization will just not get it. Yeah. And that's it. Move on. Go work somewhere else or work on something else. But then you will find that few that are early adopters or simply, and, and, and now it's, you know, it's even, in a way it's easier. But you know what? I'm not sure it's actually easier because as our field gets more mature and we have, you know, tag management tools and we have Tableau for, for handling var large amount of data and we have data scientists and all those things. But at the same time, so, so it should be easier, but at the same time, the expectations and the complexity of the environment keeps increasing even more. Mm -hmm. So our job will never get any easier. And I, I think it's actually fine. That's why, that's why it's so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, you know, maybe we have an inverse problem where there's just a proliferation of tools that we can use for visualizing and communicating data inside and outside of our organizations. And now it's like, which one do we use? So there's always a debate going on, I think, about all you need is Excel. You should be able to do everything Excel and nothing else. Or can you do so much more with a Tableau? Or even what about like a Clipfolio or a Sweet Spot? So can you speak to how you help organizations understand the right situations to use any or multiple yeah. of these? Mm -hmm. uh, I think what's interesting is is if your organization or if if you as an analyst you're not ready you're not at the level of using I don't know it could be SAS it could be Tableau it could be whatever tool doesn't really matter but you know for that matter we could say well log files are good enough we don't need that <laughs> right? and we can do everything with logs and some people right. would say yeah you're crazy and, and, and I am uh, but. I think it's a matter, it is a matter of going through the baby steps that eventually will allow you to run and, and take on more complex analysis scenarios. And whichever web analytics tool or platform you use, it could be GA, it could be Adobe, and so on, there are very sophisticated built-in reports and, and some visualization in there. And it's great. I mean, if you, if you think back... 10 or 20 years ago, how difficult it would have been to get this type of data out of a system and get those reports and visualization in, in, in a few seconds. 
so that's fantastic that we get those. And then the next logical step is, well, you know, I, I need to do a little more and I'm going to extract the data and, and use Excel because that's what everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do that for a certain time and there are nice uh, plugins and you know, ways to bring the data into Excel and there's uh, Power BI in Excel that is very powerful. Uh, but eventually you outgrow that capacity. You, you need to work with such a vast amount of data coming from different sources and it, it just becomes too complex. Mm-hmm. And, and, and let alone also, you know, creating dashboards in Excel and sending PDF documents or worse, you know, doing copy paste into PowerPoint and sending those PowerPoints in PDF form. You know, it's, it's just inefficient. Eventually you need to move on to the next logical step. And that's where I think there's uh, an interesting fork where if what you need is a power tool to slice and dice the data, then at least in my toolkit, it's Tableau. Okay. And, and there's there's other tools, and but I happen to, I, I know Tableau, so that's mm-hmm. what I, and, and so much now that I never do anything in Excel anymore. Because <laughs> what I found out is, you start something in Excel, and then the next thing you want to do is, oh, I need to do something. Oh, let's move into Tableau. So now I'm, right. I'm not using Excel anymore. Everything is in Tableau. So that's the slicing and dicing. And you know, it's funny. I have an interesting experience with that because several years ago, I was hitting walls with Excel. And knowing now that there were ways that I could have accomplished certain things in Excel, I was just so frustrated with sort of the cumbersomeness of Mm -hmm. the process of doing something very simple, like breaking down a data set very quickly, other than creating 80 pivot tables. And that's when like the little ad for Tableau came along. And I signed up and I was totally hooked. And now I kind of have a little bit of Tableau brain. Mm -hmm. But the flip side is when I left my organization, I realized I lost access to that And I've had to kind of take a few steps back and learn some of the fundamentals in Excel Mm -hmm. because you never know where you're going to be going to work and what you're going to have access to. So I would, in retrospect, I do wish I had built more of a foundation for myself in Excel and I'd probably be getting more out of Tableau having that foundation anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right because Excel is like the uh, default language that everybody knows. uh, And as you gain more experience, you learn about the functions and the macros and all those things. And, and that's where in my fork, uh, you know, on one side, you get something like Tableau. On the, on the other end, if what you want to accomplish is more like uh, a nice visualization of data where you want to give control or, or you want to give access to your business stakeholders, but you, you don't want them to mess around into an Excel file because mm-hmm. They will. <laughs> and, and then they will say, you know, the data is wrong, but maybe it's just because they, they you know, they didn't. And, and it's never their, their, their fault. Uh, but sometimes they will use Excel or even use Tableau in a way that, that wouldn't be appropriate. So right. there's a lot of tools that are specialized SaaS-based dashboarding tools that are specialized for visualization and they w- will provide a nice way of presenting the data. Mm-hmm. But those tools are not for slicing and dicing the data. It's just for presenting in a controlled environment. So what would some of those tools be as an example? 
Well, uh, Clipfolio is obviously one of those that comes to mind, and and I'm I'm cheating a little bit because I'm on their advisory board. So. <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but there's there's a lot of those tools um, out there, and I remember a couple of years ago I looked at what was available in the market, and what I found is that either the tools were good from a BI or, or data connectivity standpoint. Mm-hmm. So they, they could connect to a various set of data source uh, easily. And, and, but, but when that was good, uh, usually the visuals were like old 3D pie charts, right? <laughs> um, so the visuals were not really good. Uh, on, <laughs> on the flip side, you had some tools that had nice looking visuals, but Connecting to the data and, and the, the flexibility to extend those tools was really, really difficult. So I found, you know, I think I found the right balance between great visuals, but also very powerful flexibility. And of course, there's a learning curve with both Tableau or Clipfolio, whichever tools you use. Sure. There's going to be a learning curve and, and that's part of the game. And I would say, so basically what you're saying is for data exploration, Tableau is the way to go. And I definitely agree. Like I, I can't wait to plug a data set into Tableau and start asking it questions and things like that. But in terms of more executive presentation of data and, and like routines dissemination, you would go with a tool more like Clipfolio. Yeah. And then the next logical step, the next level of maturity is that your business stakeholders are going to be asking so many questions about the data mm-hmm. that just showing them a dashboard won't be enough. Yeah. So then you're going to empower them with, with Tableau and maybe provide them with dashboards that are more powerful because one of the characteristics of Tableau is when you share, when you build a dashboard, and you share that dashboard, you still control what they can do in it. Mm-hmm. You still control how they can slice the data and which segments they can apply and stuff like that. While if you just give them Tableau, then of course they can do whatever they want. Right. right? And usually, honestly, I rarely see business stakeholders who really want to mess around yeah. in Tableau itself or, or for that matter, mess around in Excel. That's not what they want to do. They want to have the pre-digested results, but gain the flexibility to maybe segment it in a different way or see what happened, what, what is, uh, can I change my, you know, the, the time frame of analysis for this data and stuff like that. So I think that's, uh, that's the beauty of it is you can still control what they can do, but give them, grant them that power of asking the questions themselves and providing them with what makes sense and a data quality that is controlled instead of just being, okay, go and have fun and go crazy. And actually what I think is interesting about something Tableau added recently is the storytelling Mm -hmm. feature. I'm finding that so fascinating because it is literally like walking someone through a very vast data set. You are literally walking them through um, have you seen more organizations starting to leverage stuff like that to help bridge the gap between what the analyst is seeing and the business side? Um, I think for new uh, new projects, I think, yes, that's a, that's an interesting approach. And again, it, I guess it depends what you're trying to, what kind of questions you're trying to answer. If it's, I think there are use cases for dashboards. There's use cases for handholding you into a storytelling scenario. Mm-hmm. And then there's the powerful slicing and dicing on your own. And, and right. 
So I, I think what's important is Tableau is honestly, for me at least, it's the tool that answers when it's appropriate, can answer all of those three different things. Okay. Uh, and then I can diverge. And, well, you know, Tableau is not, it's not perfect either. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, anyone who uses Tableau to connect to GA data knows how bad actually the connectivity is. And we, we have to, you know, a big chunk of, of our work is to make sure the data is right. And so the, the quality of the data, but also transform it and get it ready to be used into, you know, a Tableau or Excel or whatever. So can you elaborate on that in case people aren't familiar with those issues? Well, you know, it, it's um, in, in BI, in the BI world, there's uh, the concept of extract, transform and load. So you extract the data, you transform it, and you load it into a database or you you save it into a flat file for use into a, a different tool. Mm-hmm. So when you face an issue where the data you want to extract, the data you want, the, you want to use doesn't have, uh, an e- you can't have an easy access to the data or you need to you know, take one field and split it up into many chunks. Mm, uh, I see. It, it, it's you can you can still do it in Excel or in Tableau, but eventually it it just makes it too complex, and mm-hmm. it's it just uh, make the whole thing more cumbersome and more difficult to understand. So you, what you do is you use a tool to extract the data, get it ready in the right format, do all the transformation you need, and then save it into either you know a flat file, database, right. and so on. I see. Okay. Well, that's, that's really good to know. And, you know, putting you a bit on the spot, Mm -hmm. one of the things, again, I wish I had had more of a foundation of going into Tableau, where I think the power really lies is in the functions. Um, Mm -hmm. Because every time I've hit a wall with Tableau, I've gone on the community and looked for a solution. It's always been this extremely house of cards, patchwork quilts, (laughs) stitched together (laughs) series Mm -hmm. of functions that seems totally not straightforward. Yeah. So do you have any resources that you could recommend to help people get familiarized with helpful functions? Well, I don't know. I, th- I think uh, it, it, that's where we see that uh, some people have a background that, that comes more from, uh, let's say, a marketing background. Mm. Uh, and some other people come more from an IT or BI or data scientist background. So what I see a lot in in the industry is Someone who tries to do, uh, you know, like a marketer tries to understand the gibberish of code into a Tableau formula, mm-hmm. right? And it's not obvious. Um, on the other end, you take someone with uh, a data background and, or, or, you know, more of a uh, software development or programming background, and they look at those formulas and they make sense of those, those mm-hmm. things. Um, so I actually, you know, I, I think the... Tableau community is absolutely fantastic. There's a, a ton of resources. Yeah. But I guess it's, it's like anything else. We need to be able to ask the right question in order to find the right answer also. So when you, it, it's that, that um, it, is, it is complex. It is difficult to master. You know, you need to master the data source that you're going to be using in Excel or Tableau. Mm-hmm. You need to master Excel in Tableau. You need to master the business environment in order to provide the right answers. That that makes a, you know, pretty pretty big job. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, maybe an, a next uh, workshop idea or <laughs> yeah, it could be <laughs> master Excel for Tableau. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, I think the and and you know what? Uh, one of the things that really uh, the first time I went to the Tableau conference, uh, I was really really impressed because that's when I realized that Tableau would be like the the Excel of the power analyst. Mm. Uh, that's how I see it because in the audience, out of I don't know, like a thousand, two thousand people, I think were there. Actually, very few at the time were coming from a digital analytics perspective. Mm-hmm. They were in finance, they were in healthcare, they were in the government. You know, all kinds of different disciplines and background, and all of them. The only common point is all of them were using the same piece of software. Right. to play with data and come up with something, right? I think that's quite revealing of, of the universality of, of using a piece of software like this. And, and I think also when people talk about big data, often they think about the infrastructure. But to me, I think one major uh, point is that a tool like Tableau forces you to think differently about the data mm-hmm. than you did, let's say, in Excel, right? So mm-hmm. it, it, to me, it's when you have to change your approach and the way you work with the data, and Tableau clearly is built on big data concepts, right? Uh, right. It doesn't have to be tagged as being big data. It doesn't have to specifically, you know, reveal how it's, it's doing it. But some of the concepts behind it are stemming from big data concepts. I think that's the beauty of it is, is when you can use a tool that doesn't have to be, it can, it can hide all of the complexity that is behind the scene. And, you know, I, I'm not ignorant of the <laughs> crazy, like the Tableau mania that's happening. I mean, I've been dying to go to their conference for years and it just looks like it, I, I don't want to call it a cult or anything, but it's like people are just so passionate about using it. Mm-hmm. And but you know what? I think the flip side of that is for how universal it is is how does it cater to answering certain questions that arise in certain mm-hmm. fields and industries? So that's why I love that I noticed you offer a workshop called Tableau for Digital Analysts. Yeah, I'm going to get myself there at some point. But can you tell us a little bit more about this workshop? Yeah, I think uh, what's unique about it is that uh, you can go to Tableau training and you can go to other types of workshops, but I don't know if there's any other workshop that is specifically geared at using Tableau when you're a digital analyst. Mm -hmm. So the type of data we're going to use is different from other fields. And the way we're going to use the data to create visualization is going to be closer to the steps that you would go when you outgrow your usual tools. Mm-hmm. Right? Adapting this, uh, the specific usage of Tableau when you're, uh, you have business stakeholders that are typically in marketing and have a very uh, specific set of, of requirements and needs. So just being, spending a day together in the same room and speaking the same language and using this, uh, a common tool I think is is a way to quickly uh, learn about tips and tricks and and really speed up the learning curve uh, of using Tableau when when you're a, a digital analyst. 
And I'll make sure to have a, a link to this workshop on the show notes page, which will be leahpika.com slash 013. Um, what's an example of a kind of data that you talk about using that's specific for digital analytics that they couldn't get in another training? Well, you know, um, uh, well, for sure, we will start with your typical digital analytics data from, from Adobe or GA, for mm -hmm. example. But we know the trend in the market is that uh, this is not enough anymore. Mm -hmm. We want to merge with back office data like leads and CRM and sales and, and things like that. And also, oftentimes, one of the other characteristics is that the number of, a of APIs that we use tends to be much greater than uh, doing analysis strictly on your back office data where it typically it's in a database so that's another characteristic also we you know we're we're going to want to connect to a salesforce or a marketo data source or uh, you know facebook and so on which is different from what most other people use tableau for that's true okay well that's that's great i can't wait to learn more about it and i'll i'll definitely have that on the page mm -hmm. now you help educate organizations on analytics as well, is that correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what kinds of, you know, what kinds of subjects do you educate them on? And do you find it challenging to break down these subjects for them? Yes, yes, absolutely. The way I approach it is even if I, and, and by now I'm sure people know and, and feel that I, I do have a technical background, but at the same time, I've worked in so many different environments over the years, and I, I did an MBA, and I'm teaching and all that stuff. So the way I see it is, in order to be successful, there, there are certain areas of expertise that you need to master, and you need to balance that expertise. Uh, it's not only about the tools. It's not only about statistics. It's not, not only about the web, but there's other, other factors that comes into play. And, and we've heard about governance, and we've heard about defining the right objectives and so on. And what amazed me is uh, when I work with clients directly, oftentimes they haven't gone through the baby steps of really thinking and defining what there's, their objectives are. Mm -hmm. um, they often see technology as being a magic solution to their problem when, when really it's not. It's not? Oh, <laughs> no. no. I'm sorry. You've shattered my whole vision of the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and also just skills development, uh, you know, employee coaching and stuff like that uh, is part of, of, of that. I think it's there's a real need and there are people in the in our industry that are willing to uh, mentor and coach other people. And that's absolutely awesome. Mm -hmm. And I do that for agencies also. So it, it's amazing how there are many Agencies are, and when I say agency, I'm, I'm talking about you know either your your typical marketing agency or web agency that are trying to develop their own digital analytics service for their clients. So the approach I'm taking is a bit like a, a train the trainer type of approach, <laughs> right? Because there's such a high demand in the market that. I think it's much better to help other people grow themselves and offer services for their clients rather than, than say, oh, no, I'm, I'm going to keep all that knowledge for myself. <laughs> right. <laughs> Share the love. Yes. And um, I want to talk a little bit about your role as an educator and speaker uh, in this industry. You know, 
how how does training differ from delivering something like a keynote presentation at a conference? A keynote presentation, uh, and uh, Jim Stern, you know, mentioned that several times. Is when you do, if you do a keynote uh, that's going to last, let's say, forty-five minutes, you're going to think about the key messages that you want to convey, and it's going to take a certain number of hours to get ready for that. But if you if you do a training that is going to last a full day, it's almost easier because I, I just <laughs> I just get there and I, I get in front of the of the people and it's like okay let's uh, we have an agenda and we we're going to cover those points but when you master the subject so much that it's just conversation it's a lot easier for me to do a full day of training and especially when the audience is. When you have a small group and they are engaged, they ask a ton of questions, and that's really rewarding. That's I learn so much by doing that mm-hmm. because I the type of questions they ask, uh, new challenges they have. Uh, that's really interesting. And of course, I'm not talking about you know training uh, when and I'm sure a lot of people went through that. You go through a training, it's like just following the book and <laughs> there's no real interaction. That That's sort of what, I, what I'm talking about. I actually prefer to say, well, okay, here's, we do have, you know, uh, an agenda and a lot of content, but let's let's have a conversation instead. Right. And, you know, when we were chatting, you know, there's a lot of um, talk about helping analysts and even trainers, I would think, grow as speakers mm-hmm. and gain confidence. When we were chatting, you might have mentioned hiring a professional coach actually yes. to improve your speaking skills. So do you feel that was a good investment? Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's two two uh, in- interesting uh, life stories. One is several years ago, Ivy Nash came off stage and I've seen Avinash speak many, many times. So he came off stage and sat right beside me and he said, did you notice I changed slide number five? It was it better than the, the previous one. <laughs> so he was A-B testing, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, yeah, yeah, well, okay. The sample and, size of one. <laughs> yeah. And, and then I asked him, what about me? Was I you know, good on stage and everything? And he said something along the lines of, what you lack in presentation skills, you got in passion. Hmm. So it was, it, I was like, well, is that a compliment? Or yeah. <laughs> and, Thanks. And yeah, well, you know, it, it got me mm-hmm. thinking about people who've seen me on stage and people who know me know that I'm really passionate about mm-hmm. what I'm talking and, and stuff. And and it's true. So it it was a compliment, but it, it, I took it also as a as a, a nice way of saying, "Well, there's still improvements to make," uh, and and that's unique Avinash ability to to mention things like that, and it's just awesome. <laughs> it's right. great. So eventually, I got someone to coach me, and you know what? What really got me into it is he told me, "You know what? The best sports player." They all have coaches helping them. Of course. Not because the coach is better than they are, because typically they are not. Right. But because the coach knows what to watch for and knows what, how to handhold you in the right direction in order to improve. And that's what I did. And it, it, it did make a difference. 
I firmly believe in coaching. I'm working with like three different coaches in different aspects of my craft, my business. And I can honestly say, you know, if everyone complimented you all the time, you would go nowhere. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> you need that push. Yes. Um, so what would you say, you, you know, you've probably seen hundreds, hundreds of presentations. What would you say are some of the biggest pet peeves you have about how practitioners or industry speakers present? Don't be afraid of doing it. Uh, I mean, I remember, and, and I'm sure a lot of people, it was, it was the same for them. In school, I was so afraid of getting in front of the class, and I was not really a good student either. <laughs> um, and eventually, some people started telling me, you know, oh, you, you would be a good teacher. And I was like, I, I never thought of that. I never thought of uh, speaking and, and teaching and, and, you know, doing things like that just just go for it uh, yes you it, it's stressful uh it, it the first couple of times but eventually i think you you find your natural pace mm -hmm. and it gets easier don't be afraid of doing it um i did i did uh, as part of the the coaching there was a workshop where there were maybe 20 different people in the room and each one had to present for five minutes and in the room you had people who were really experienced and other people who were literally shaking mm. because the, it, it was almost the first time that they were presenting in front of 20 people. Right. Uh, but at the end of the day, everybody was super happy and proud. Yeah. I think that's what's important. Absolutely. I love that. So I call the next segment the upgrade. It's a power tip for Excel, PowerPoint, Tableau, any of the visualization tools we use. I was wondering if you have a tip to share with us today. I would have a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you only get but, one. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's start with one. Uh, I think my first tip um, for people using uh, Tableau and connecting to Google Analytics, don't do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Until Tableau comes out with their next version, which has a better connector, oh. I would recommend using Analytics Canvas or something like that to extract the data from GA, get it ready, you know, the old extract, transform, and load, mm -hmm. uh, get the data ready for a better use and better consumption of the data into Tableau. Uh, so that's a really hands-on technical tip uh, that will make your life easier. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I was aware of those issues, so I'll, I'll definitely keep a lookout for some better, <laughs> this better mysterious connector um, for doing that. So I have my last question, and this is, you have to think hard here. So imagine this scenario. You're participating in a French Civil War reenactment when suddenly you trip on a rock and you fall through a rip in time, and you're brought back to the precise moment you're about to give your first big presentation. Oh what, <laughs> what would you say to you? Run! <laughs> <laughs> let's see. Let's spell that. R-U-N. Okay. <laughs> All right, then. So, unfortunately, we've run out of time. Um, but can you please tell listeners where they can keep up with you and anything new and exciting you have on the horizon? Yeah, so uh, you can visit my website on immeria.net. That's I-M-M-E-R-I-A.net. Or simply Google Stefan Amel, and I'm sure you're going to find me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Very nice. And uh, all those links will be on the show notes page, leahpika.com slash 013. And I just want to thank you so much for being on the show today and taking the time. It's been so nice having this conversation with you and chatting with you at these different events. Thanks to you, uh, Leah, and and we're I'm sure our path has, is going to cross again somewhere at a conference around the world. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. That was such a great experience. Stefan has had a huge impact on the trajectory of my own career, and I know of so many in the measure community. So that was really a treat. If you like what you're hearing. Hop on over to iTunes to subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating or review. Ratings and reviews are so, so appreciated because they actually increase the rankings of the show, which will help other practitioners like yourself find this content. And I'll be reading out my favorite reviews on future episodes. And to catch all of the resources Stefan mentioned in this episode, visit leahpika.com slash 01313 to review the show notes, download a copy, view the transcript, etc. I would love if you could leave me a comment or suggestions because I want to hear about the challenges you face when presenting information to create an impact. Or you can tweet me a question for the show by including my Twitter handle, which is at Leapika, including the hashtag PBM as in present beyond measure. And I'll leave you with today's bit of presentation inspiration, which is from Hans Rosling, who is known for presenting a famous animated data visualization tool called Gapminder through a wildly popular TED Talk, which I'll link to in the show notes. It's actually received over 10 million views to date. Not bad. And he says, most of us need to listen to the music to understand how beautiful it is. But often that's how we present statistics. We just show the notes. We don't play the music. As a musical person myself, this quote really resonated with me and with the content today. So always make sure to bring passion and brilliance to presenting your data so that your audience can hear the music of your story, not just see the notes. That's it for today. Namaste. Okay, that's a wrap. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, recently said no no make the data sing mm. it, it, it's it's more it's beautiful it's uh, uh it, i think it's... i might have that on my website <laughs> somewhere <laughs> <laughs>I think the other, the, the pet peeve also, the statement that I'm getting sick uh, of hearing uh, all the time is telling story with the data. It's like, <laughs> yeah, well, 